Praise God, brothers and sisters. Praise God, youth. Um, whenever you are asked to preach and you start thinking about the topics that you're going to be preaching about, sometimes it's really hard to find something to preach about. Sometimes you're stuck. Sometimes there's an obvious topic. Some, sometimes there's something that you just know you need to preach on. And today, it's one of those days where I know I need to preach on this today. And so, something that I've been seeing recently in Christians, and I say Christians, is that we are living with guilt and we're living with shame. And we are Christians who see our shortcomings and we see our failures. And we are Christians who are battling against sin. And oftentimes there's Christians that they lose all hope. These Christians are depressed. And these are people that they see their sinful nature. They see themselves for who they truly are. And when they see that, Satan will come by and start to condemn that Christian. And he says, you know what? You're not fooling anyone right now. You're sitting here. I know who you are. You know who you are. You're not fooling anyone. You don't deserve to be here in this place. I know who you are for real. You know that you will never change. You know that you're just going to keep falling. And you know what? And even if you get up, you're just going to fall on your face again. And Satan, knowing that he cannot stop people from becoming Christians, he cannot stop people from choosing to follow Christ, but what he can do is he can put so much weight of guilt and condemnation upon those people that they will lose hope and they will not want to do anything. In fact, these people, all they want to do is hide from everyone. All they want to do is get isolated. They just want to go somewhere and be away from everyone and not want to be with anyone. And if the devil can do that to you, if he can separate you from God, if he can separate you from fellowship with believers, he's won. He's won that battle. And you might live like this for a while, and then this sense of guilt, the sense of feeling of guilt finally overweighs you, it overcomes you, and then you're finally like, I need to come back, I need to return, I need to do, start doing something, because you can't keep living like this. And so, you know what, you're like, okay, I'm going to jump into the Word again. I'm going to start reading my Bible. You know what? And when you start reading your Bible, the first several days, you feel so good. It's like, man, I feel like such a good Christian right now. I'm reading my Word. You know what, I haven't fallen for this temptation. I haven't fallen for this. I am a good Christian. But then one week goes by before the second week can even start. You've fallen for that temptation. And that sense of, I felt like a great Christian, now all of a sudden, the, devil's com the devil comes by and he says, you know what, told you so. I knew this would happen. And so, this cycle, there's this cycle that we go into. It's, you feel like such a good Christian, then you jump to a low, you don't want to do anything for a couple weeks, you go back, and it's just this cycle, it's this vicious cycle. It's a never-ending cycle, it seems like. And sometimes the only hope that these people have is that, you know, maybe if I start reading my Bible more, if maybe if I start doing this, I'll feel better. And that's the only hope they have, but they don't know that that is keeping their cycle going. And the reason why this is happening is because you put confidence in the flesh. What do I mean by you put confidence in the flesh? Putting confidence in the flesh is not something that, it's not a term that I made up. Putting confidence in the flesh is something that Apostle Paul uses in Philippians. It means putting confidence in yourself. It means trusting in your own efforts for your salvation. It makes you think that you can do something to earn your salvation. It makes you Put your trust in yourself rather than God. So what does Apostle Paul say about putting confidence in 
the flesh. Let's open to Philippians chapter 3, verse 3, and I'll be reading till, there you go, verse 9. For we are the true circumcision, who worship in the Spirit of God and in glory in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh. Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more circumcise the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is by the law, found blameless. But whatever things were to gain to me, I count, I count those, whatever those things to gain to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. So let's go back to verse 3. So Paul starts off by saying, He's writing, he's addressing the, the church of the Philippians in Philippi. He wrote this letter to them, and they were having a lot of issues. There were people that were coming in and telling them, to be a Christian, you had to be circumcised, you have to do this, you have to do that. And this was a common theme for a lot of these early churches. But Paul says that, you know what? Just because you might be circumcised bodily, that's not the real circumcision. If you are in Christ, that's verse 3, you are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Let's go to the next verse. So Paul says that I put no confidence in the flesh, verse 4. And this is where Paul starts to say that, you know what, I have a track record. I have an amazing track record. I have a resume, and check out this resume. He says, although I myself might have confidence in the flesh, and if anyone has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. So Paul is saying that if you think you can put confidence, if you think you can trust in your own flesh for your salvation, if you think you're good, you're righteous, I can put more confidence in my flesh because I am better. He says, and then next verse, and this is where he gives his resume. He has an excellent, outstanding resume. He says, circumcised the eighth day. That was according to the law. The infants had to get circumcised the eighth day. Of the nation of Israel, he was a Jew. Of the tribe of Benjamin, respectable tribe, amazing. A Hebrew of Hebrews, which means that he kept the law and he says, as to the law of Pharisee, he says, I am a Hebrew of Hebrews. He says, I am the, if you look at me, you would say, that person is an example of a Hebrew. And he says to the law of Pharisee, who were the Pharisees? They followed the law to the T as it's written. And then they also throw on a bunch of their own laws to make themselves even more righteous. They add even more rules to what is given. And they're like, look at me. I am so good. Next verse, verse 6. As to zeal, zealous. Paul's saying that as to him being radical for his faith. You know what? Paul was not going to sit by as a Jew and watch these Christians um, infect Judaism. Watch these Christians say these what he thought was lies about the Messiah. He says, you know what? I'm not going to sit by and watch that happen. As to zeal, I was zealous for God. I persecuted the church. I wasn't going to sit by. I actually went 
and I would go and hunt down those people. I would put those people in prison. I would murder those people. And as to righteousness, which is in the law, found blameless. He's saying, if you looked at my life, if you looked at my track record, I followed the law, and I was found blameless. You couldn't find anything to blame me of. Verse 7 through 8. But whatever things were to gain to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish so that I may gain Christ. Paul's saying that even though I have this amazing track record, even though I have all these things I could be proud of, I could put the confidence in that, he says, I count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. I like how the NIV translation puts it. He says, I count them as garbage that I may gain Christ. Okay, next verse, verse 9. And this is the key verse. And may be found in him, which is in Jesus, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Paul says, I don't want my own righteousness. I have my own righteousness. I don't want it. I want God's righteousness. I want to be clothed in God's righteousness, not on my own, but the righteousness that is through faith in Christ. Do you know what happened when you put your faith in Christ? Do you know what happened when you were convicted by the Holy Spirit, when you knew your sin and when you repented and when you believed and put your trust in Jesus Christ? Do you know what happened? I wanted to show an example. Um, Andre, can I borrow your flannel, please? So, me, a sinner, I come up, I give my dark, dirty flannel, my stinky flannel to Andre for him. I gave up my sins to Christ, and I took his nice white flannel, and I put it on myself. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ... We gave up our sin, we gave up our identity with our sinful nature, our children of, we were identified as children of wrath, and now we got this new identity in Christ. Because Jesus Christ died for me and I believed in him, he took my sin, he took that away, he gave me his righteousness. I can now put on his righteousness and I can say, you know what? This isn't my coat. This isn't my righteousness. This is Christ's righteousness. He made me white as snow, right? You know, have you guys ever seen snow when the sun is shining on it? Have you ever noticed how bright it is? It hurts to look at snow. It is white as snow. You can actually get this thing called snow blindness. If you look, in, if you look at the snow too much, if you're out exposed all day, you can actually get snow blindness temporarily. So he makes you white as snow. He chooses to not look at your sin. He chooses to overlook your sin now, that you have his righteousness on you. And you know, the crazy thing is that God gave you this righteousness as a gift for free. God gives you this righteousness. It says in Ephesians 2.8, you are saved by grace through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Right? And the reason I can stand before God now, blameless, righteous, holy before God, is because it's not because that I did something. It's not that I started reading my Bible more. It's not because I was living that Christian life that I should have been living. It's because I have Christ on me. I have Christ's righteousness on me. And that's what Paul was saying, that 
I don't want my own righteousness. I don't want anything. I want this right here. I want this to cover over me. And yet, still to this day, I can fall into that same trap where I can, after I've received Christ's righteousness, after I've been walking and I've been reading my Bible, I've been living the life, and I know that I'm covered by Christ's righteousness, it's still that trap, that always that thought at the back of your head, you know what, now I'm a pretty good Christian. I've been living the life that I need to live. And then you, all of a sudden, you take your faith, and you take all your hope off of this righteousness, and you take it off and you throw on your own righteousness again. You throw on whatever you had that you gave up. Right? It's easy to fall into this trap. Even till this day, you need to remind yourself, I need to remind myself that I need Jesus Christ's righteousness, and I need to put my faith in that. I should not put my faith or my trust or my confidence in my flesh because even when, I'm, even when I'm 80 years old, even when I'm old, I will still say, you know what? I have no righteousness. I am not a good person. I still need the blood of Jesus Christ to be upon me. If you guys heard Dennis's prayer when he came up after the worship, he was literally saying these things point by point by point. He's like, you washed me. You made me white as snow. God, I want to be found in your righteousness, not my own righteousness. He literally made it point by point by point. And when we know that we have Christ's righteousness on us, when we know that we are covered by him, when the devil comes and he says, I know who you are. This is only going to last so long. You can say no, because this is not of my own doing. I now have Christ's righteousness on me based on faith, like it said in Philippians. I have that, and I know that, and I'm, no one's going to take that hope away from me. And I want you guys to know that. Yes, you need to live the Christian life. Yes, you need to read your Bible. You need to grow spiritually. But don't put confidence in yourself when you're doing all those things. This is foundational. This is the basics. This is the principles. This is the building blocks of our Christianity. And we might overlook it sometimes. This is where it all starts. It all starts with, I'm a sinner. I put my faith in Jesus Christ. He took my sin. He gave me his righteousness. Now I can live victoriously. Now I can conquer sin. Now I can run boldly. Correct? I can run boldly and joyfully, but yet, that doesn't happen. For some reason, we don't want to preach to other people. We don't want to do anything for the kingdom's cause. We don't want to do anything because we are looking at ourselves, we are looking at our shortcomings, and we are letting the devil make us worthless for the kingdom of God. Because I forget that I'm, I'm wearing this. I oftentimes forget it. We can't forget this. We need to always go back and say, and wake up in the morning and thank God for his righteousness. It didn't leave you overnight. Thank God that you woke up with his righteousness. Thank God that you went to sleep with his righteousness. Thank God that it is over you. Can we all stand up and can we all pray? And this, this is something that it's going to take a while. It's not going to be instant. It's not going to be. This is something that it's easy to fall back into. But I want us to know that. And I want us to say, God, destroy any confidence that I may have in my flesh. Destroy anything that I might be holding on to. Destroy it. I want my confidence to be in you. I want my faith to be in you. I want that. I don't need my own confidence. I want your righteousness, God. Let's pray. Praise be to the Lord. Amen. You know, this is a unique 
crowd of people here. Um, very unique. There is not that many people in the world that gather together not to simply talk and pump each other up, but to worship someone greater than they are. And it's amazing to be in the presence, in the fellowship, in the worship of our God. Isn't that great? Amen. I think that's wonderful. Well, welcome to the first service of 2020. Um, if you're here, you're blessed. That means you're breathing, you're walking, you have a car most likely, or somebody gave you a ride, you have a friend. There's a lot to be thankful about. Is that true? That's wonderful, you know. That's wonderful. I think if we're here, we're so blessed. We live in an area, place um, called United States of America. Um, if you go in any other country of the world, except for a few, and you ask them, would you swap places with me? They will say, yes, let's do that right now. Uh, people dream about United States of America. Your parents, for that fact, for that matter, that came here, brought you here, maybe you were born here. It was unheard of that Christians, the lowest caste of Soviet Union, would ever end up in the United States of America. They were regarded as nothing, as garbage. I'm not um, exaggerating. <laughs> this is how people were treated. This is how people are treated, Christians around the world, in Muslim countries and in, in communist countries, that have faith in God. Isn't God, doesn't God have a good sense of humor? that he lifts up those people that are regarded as nothing in Soviet Union that have been told that we're going to show the last Christians on the television and the Bible is going to be extinct in Soviet Union. I think God has a good sense of humor because the people that Soviet Union resisted the most and considered themselves the enemies, the America, uh, all the, most of the Christians have immigrated to the United States of America and the communists and the countries could do nothing. Could do nothing about it. I think that's just a blessing. That's just a miracle. Whatever you call it, it is wonderful that God allow us to be here today and to worship his name. Um, I'm sorry for the gloomy start, but uh, I wanted to say thank you to the New Year's team. If you were at the New Year's, um, I personally enjoyed it. I'm looking at Bogdan and his team. If you touched anything at the New Year's, if you helped out, uh, God bless you. Thank you. It was a wonderful night. Uh, we had good, I had good fellowship, uh, good music, good songs, and good food, and just Good night to be around, um, around Christians, uh, fellowshipping, and welcoming the new year. Praise God, and thank you. Thank you for, for doing that. You know, realizing that in the new year, not a lot of things are new. Came in today to the youth service, and I see the same exact people that were serving last year, putting up the chairs. Same people are here, putting up the chairs, wiping them down. And, and, you know, nothing changed. Maybe you woke up on the first and then the second and the third, and the same things are happening to you, right? That happened in the last year. Same traffic, you know, same uh, empty account or full, I don't know. Um, and things like that, right? And things like that. So... How is it different? How is New Year different from the old year? And, and why do we um, care about counting years and so on and so forth? And what's the big deal? 
I think it is very, very um, important that we distinguish the times and the years and we uh, make something out of it. David said in his um, writings, in his meditations, in his um, in his writings mainly because we can read them, uh, he says these words, I consider my ways, I considered my ways and turned my steps to your testimonies. The first thing that David does, that's written in Psalm 119, it's on the screen. Uh, the first thing that David does, he considers his ways. We always have to reflect back and we'll look at what, what we did, what I did last week, last month, last year. And I count up, you know, my chickens. They say that, that they count the chickens not in the winter, not in the spring, but in the fall. Because between that time, a lot, a lot of things can happen. Um, it's an old saying. But we'll look back and we'll look at what happened in 2019. What happened in my life and we look at the fruit of our hands, right? At the, at the fruit of everything we did. Of all of our investments, if you have investments accounts, um, you look at that and you make a decision. Okay, well, my investment strategy was very poor or my investment strategy was very good, right? That's something that you can see today. Uh, some of the investments you can't see, but you live by faith. You say, well, I've been coming to youth services and setting up chairs all that year. I believe that God has a bank account, especially for those people who set up chairs. And I believe that the interest in that account is higher maybe than the preacher's accounts. <laughs> That's my personal uh, opinion, okay? I think the jobs that people do that no one else sees have a bigger interest in God's eyes. That's just my personal convictions. Because there's a lot of work going on in the background that nobody ever sees. A lot of prayers, a lot of support, financial and whatnot, that people don't see. And uh, it's done in secret. And those are the biggest um, profit-making accounts, I believe. Um, I'm using the terminology. Dennis is laughing here. Um, but... You, you get what I'm saying, right? We all understand what, we're, what I'm saying. You know, Sunday school, uh, people serve in a lot of different areas. You serve um, possibly at your work. You come early, you pray for your co-workers because that's what God placed you. Because you know that it matters. Because you know that those people need salvation. And you're not there just to make money. You're there to be the light. Only God knows those prayers. I was recently talking to my coworker, my supervisor. He, he's retired. And I called him this Christmas and I said, Roger, um, it's so good to hear. It's so good, you know, we've talked and, and he said, yeah, I've been challenged with health and this and that. Um, he's an atheist. And, and through our, our conversation, um, said, well, yeah, I've been enjoying life in Walla Walla and, and so on and so forth. And he said, well, you're probably going to appreciate this, Dennis, but I've been going to church. I said, what? He said, I've been going to church. You know, there's a great community here of Christians. And, and, and uh, yeah, we've been going to church. And, and I put down my phone. I was talking to, to my Natasha, my wife, and... We were just amazed, you know, how God can turn someone's heart that was proclaimed atheist. I had conversations with him many times. And um, God does miracles. And the prayers that we offer really do have a difference. There's 20 minutes left um, and I just want to recap real quick our vision for this year and also look at, uh, just review the last year. 
2019, we had a great New Year's. Anyone remembers what we started with? This is last year's picture, not this year's picture, uh, as you can see, uh, maybe. Um, anyone remembers what was the topic last year? I know Bogdan knows. <laughs> he has to know. <laughs> okay, that's your homework. Um, research what was the topic for last year. Do you know what the topic was this year? 2020 vision, Hebrews 12. What's in there, Dennis? Yes, let us focus on the author and perfecter of our faith, who is Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. You know, in, in last year we had a great year. We uh, went and visited so many churches um, with the choir, of course. We hosted many churches here in this hall, which was a blessing for us. We had a wonderful camp um, at, uh, with Canadians, and I was looking through the pictures, and uh, it's just amazing. It's just amazing how God blessed us last year. We had at least two or three mission trips. Andre, is that right? At least two or three. Some people made it twice to the mission trip last year, which I think is also a huge blessing. We were able to serve those kids, those people that never heard the gospel, the good news. It's a blessing. We celebrated last year a remarkable date, 30 years of immigration of our Slavic people. 30 years that we immigrated from Soviet Union, from all those countries, we came here. And we settled here, and now we call this home. Amen? That's, that's a date uh, to remember. And... Uh, 2019 was a great year, of course, uh, but those are all things that we can see, that we can feel, um, that, you know, we can capture on the camera. Thank you, photographers, for creating those memories for us. Um, but how about personally? What have I been working on? What has been happening in my life? You know, Peter touched today an important topic of righteousness. You know, how is my time, personal time, is spent, uh, has been spent in 2019. And I looked at some um, statistics and data, and I just stopped and I decided not to put anything in the slideshow. What I got out of it is that the way people spend their time in 2019, um, average screen time was three to seven hours a day uh, for, you know, depending on your age, and depending on other factors, three to seven hours a day people spent on screen time. Uh, different ways, uh, combined television and, and, and your cell phone. And um, the bottom line is that's the hours we uh, invested in something. Invested in something, right? Um, if we look at the next slide, uh, how people spend... And, just in general, how they spend their lifetime. Somebody sit down and calculate it, how people spend time in the lifetime. So one year and eight months are spent doing a household work. One year and 11 months are spent socializing. For us Christians, I believe it's much greater. We come to church, we have fellowship here. Two years and two months spent on shopping. Maybe not so true for brothers, maybe it is, I don't know. Three years and seven months we enjoy food and six years and eight months using social media can you imagine that six years only 10 years ago 15 years ago that was not existent people did not spend any time on social media now people shorten their life or extended their life i don't know by six years maybe all those generations were missing out right <laughs> on social media, but that's how much time it takes out of my life. Six, over six and a half years. Eight years and four months, uh, people watch TV. And 26 years and five months we spend sleeping. Um, you know, without sleeping, it is impossible to exist, so it's a good thing to sleep. It's a good thing to sleep for 26 years. You know, uh, 
Those are just statistics, but in reality, I think every one of us has an idea how much time was invested or wasted, right? Or what did we get out of the time that we invested um, last year? And the reason we're looking back, like I said, like I read in the beginning, David said, I considered my ways. I considered my ways. And he made a choice. He said, I turned my steps. I turned my eyes. I turned my time towards your testimonies. That was David's decision. And my point today, or my desire today, that when we walk out of here, out of this place, if we haven't done this yet in our life, that we would consider our ways from last year and we would turn. We would turn from certain habits and we would make certain decisions that would set our ways in his testimonies, that would set our ways on the path that leads to success and leads to, leads to righteousness. You know, I'm not going to tell you anything new today. Um, if that surprised you, I hope that does not surprise you. If you've been, for a fact, born in a Christian family, there's nothing new for you to hear. We're preaching from the same Bible, the same Word of God. Um, Pyotr Maisevich started this year with an interesting incline, with an interesting uh, topic or interesting call. And uh, he started in the parable uh, that is written and told by Jesus in Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. We're not going to read that passage. We're going to just quickly go through some slides here. Um, but Jesus tells this parable. And please be um, attentive to, to the message of this parable. This parable is about a wealthy man, about a man, a father um, who had, you know, vineyards, who had some, some livestock, who had some investments, um, and he was settled. This family was well off, let's just say that. He had two sons. Uh, he has two sons, an older son and a younger son. And at some point, a younger son became dissatisfied with his father. With everything that was happening in the house, he said, this is, I don't like this. I like something that's out there. I like something that is outside of my father's house. And he said, Father, you know, I, I would like to, my portion, I would like you to, to, to divide our portions and to give me my portion of whatever belongs to me. I would like to try something different. You know, interestingly, Father does not complain. He's not rebuking him. He's not um, trying to stop him. That's what he does. He divides everything that he has and he gives him his portion. After a short time, the, the, the son lives and he, he walks away. He goes to a far country and he spends the money the way he thinks is the right way to spend the money. Um, no surprise, he ends up in a situation where he's got no money at all. And um, he goes begging. He starts, finds a job. The job is not very well paid because he can't even buy himself food. He can't sustain himself. He lives with the pigs. And he is so low. He finds himself so low in the dirt doing the job that even the slaves were not, um, for the slaves, it was not a very prestigious job. Let's just say that. And he was found himself in that situation doing that kind of job, trying to get food, uh, not even able to eat what the, what the swine were eating. Um, and he thinks, reflects back, he considers his ways, and he says, wait a second. Even the slaves and the servants in my father's house eat real bread, have a good food to sustain themselves. What am I doing here? He came to his conscience, the Bible says, he came to his conscience that only if I humble myself, if I humble myself, I think that was the key turning point in his life. 
when he humbled himself, he said, I will go back and I will ask forgiveness. And he gets up and he goes back to his father. And he walks, however long he had to walk, he comes over to his father's house and the, what he sees is that his father is actually not mad with him, but he's waiting for him. And he, we know the end of the story. He accepts him. He gives him a new set of clothes. He accepts him back as a son. He gives them this ring that says that you are my son. I accept you back. You don't have to be a servant. Uh, he throws a big party for him. And um, he receives this man back into his house. You know, as I reflect on this, on this story, uh, the points that our pastor made, he said that, you know, we've been given a lot. We've been given so much. And he started recounting how this church was built up. This was just a trash place for homeless people that nobody really, really wanted. And how um, people invested their time and their money into this church, into this church building, to have, for us to have what we have. And he said, today, what do, what do we do with this? He said, I see a lot of people dissatisfied being in the Father's house. Being in this church, having the things that we have, we think, we think that there is something better out there. We think that if we go to this church, oh, there is better ways to spend my time. Oh, if we we'll only go and listen to this speaker, or we travel to this conference, or this youth leader is so influential, and so on and so forth, and we are dissatisfied in the Father's house. You know, I don't know where you're at, what kind of, you know, heart you have um, and gratitude. I remember very vividly one mission trip. Uh, where we were working through the day and uh, we would stop to go to the lunch, to go to church to have lunch. And we would go back to the church and have lunch and, and come back to work. And for some reason, they, had, they fed us four times a day. And I thought that was just too much, you know. And, and we were, I was not hungry, I was fat enough, and I just, I was talking to the brothers, and I started complaining. I said, man, what's going on? Why do we have to eat so much, you know? Can they cut, you know, a few meals and so on and so forth? And uh, what do you think happened? The pastor comes around, around the van, and he says, who's complaining here? Well, of course, ever, you know, he knew who was complaining. I, I was so ashamed. He said, you know, these people that work here with you, they only get to eat this kind of food on this mission trip or on this during this while you guys are here. They never get to eat this kind of food. And, you know, he talked a little bit about it and I was really ashamed. I was really ashamed that I was complaining. Instead of just taking a fast, you know, for a day, just skipping a couple of meals. I had a choice to do that. But I chose to complain. Oh, why do we have to do this? Why do we have so many fellowships? Why do we have so many of this and of that? And I make the choice to be arrogant and complain. And I think it's a problem of the heart. It's not a problem of other people, of leadership, of church, leadership of the pastors. It's a problem of the heart. And you see a lot of people today are dissatisfied. They move on from church to church. There's a new church opening up. They're showing up because they're dissatisfied already with their old church that they just switched two years ago. It's not a problem of the church. 
It's not a problem of the pastor. It's a problem of the heart. We're dissatisfied with our families, with our fathers and mothers, and whatever else we can be dissatisfied. If that was our experience in 2019, we need to consider our ways and turn our steps towards a different perspective. Towards a different perspective. And again, this is not my message. This is the message of our head pastor. If you missed it, it was on December 31st at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock, whatever the time was. We need to consider our ways. Consider the ways um, that we were walking in 2019. And we need to use whatever was in the father's house, whatever wealth he had, everything belonged to his father, to the father. And when the son said that, give me my portion, that wasn't his portion. That was his father's wealth that he chose to give it to him. My brother and sister, whatever God gave to you in 2019 and in 2020, how are you going to invest in this year? Do you have a plan of investment for this year in God's house? You know, our vision of our youth is our mission. Our vision is to train, prepare the next generation for the coming of Jesus Christ. This is our vision. And if Jesus Christ is not coming this generation, that this generation can prepare the next generation for the coming of Jesus Christ. And how we do this? By fulfilling our mission. And our mission is to reach Slavic youth for Christ by preaching the gospel, teaching believers to pray and study the scriptures. So we may discover what God has given us and we may serve other people and reach other people for Christ. So my question for you today is, have you been faithful with what God entrusted you? Have you been inquire? Have you invested in that ministry of singing if you have that talent? I'm not asking you if you don't have a talent to, to really show up, you know, and mess up the whole choir and so on and so forth. You can be still in that ministry. You can still put the folders together. There's a lot to do. There's a lot of other responsibilities that can be done. But my question, have you been making excuses? Have you been discouraged or too busy to do any kind of ministry. To show up earlier to the youth service and to set up chairs. Maybe, you know, walking up to Rosti Kazimir and saying, Ross, I want to do something for God this year. Give me some responsibilities. What can I do? Come up to Andre or, or Bogdan and say, brothers, I really want to commit my ways this year to more fellowship with believers. What can I do? So I'm, so I'm surely here every Tuesday. You know, only two things, only two things are going to make a difference in your life. And I speak that from experience. If you're staying a word daily, not building up your righteousness, but getting power to overcome sin. And second thing is fellowship with believers. If you take away one of those, you're not going to be successful. You're not going to have strength to live in Christ's righteousness. That sin is going to keep lingering behind, kicking you down every time. If you choose, if, you're not, if you don't choose that, if you don't choose to consider your ways and turn your steps to God's testimonies. And that's my call for this year, my brothers and my sisters. Let us be considerate of how the last year went. If there were good investments, if there was a blessing, that's good. Keep doing the good work. And God bless you. But if there was laziness, pride, I am better than this, and I am better than you know, serving and doing this job, consider your ways. Consider your ways start investing in the kingdom of God. You're going to help your brothers and sisters. You're going to help yourself and get a reward from the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. We're going to be finishing up. 
but this year, this year, our desire, as my desire as a youth leader, um, and as the youth leaders that are here, Max and Bogdan and um, Andre and, and other brothers, Dennis and Peter, um, our desire is to focus more on prayer, to support the small groups where people, where we can grow together, help each other, serve each other. Um, our desire is to invest in um, visiting people in need um, and those kind of things. If you see yourself in this vision, if you see yourself participating, you know, helping host a group at your house, uh, doing something, you know, whatever you can do, whatever you can do uh, to help, that's great. If you can show up here and set up chairs, do that. If you can show up here and instead of waiting to receive, have a mindset of who can I serve and just, you know, come up to people and talk to them when they show up here early um, and encourage somebody after the service. Those are the small things that count. Those are the small things that count. But let's be diligent. Let's be intentional this year. Let's not look back at 2020 and say, yeah, I average about five hours a day on screen time and no time with the Bible. That would be a sad statistic for us as Christians. Make a habit. We need habits. What do you do the first thing you wake up in the morning? You know, I choose, before I eat something, I choose to put in God's Word into my mouth, into my ears, into my eyes. I choose to read God's Word, even if it's a verse, a chapter. But I choose that kind of food versus any kind of other food. What kind of choices can you make in 2020 that will help you stay successful, stay productive, uh, be a better employee, be a better student, uh, be a better son or daughter for your parents, that we may receive the blessing. God bless you. I am thankful for our youth at Slavic Christian Center. I think this is the best youth um, because we're in it together. Uh, we're children of God, and we have a great destiny together. May God bless you. Let's stand up and worship our God and pray.